0: Hello and welcome to this At Any Rate podcast. I'm Arendam Sandalea from J.P. Morgan's Global FX Strategy Team. Now, uh, in FX markets, there seems to be a bit of dissonance of late, uh, while there are signs of weakness and risk markets, notably equities with uh, S&P and Nasdaq breaking below 200-day moving averages in the last week, and U.S. data continues to run hot, and European data very much not so. Uh, And U.S. yields are broadly higher amid a lot of volatility. And let's not forget that there's still a conflict going on in the Middle East. You'd think that most of the pieces are now in place for a clean run higher in the dollar, yet uh, that's not quite how things have played out lately. And to decode this, uh, as well as other goings on in FX markets, uh, my partners in crime this week on the podcast are James Nelligan and Patrick Locke. Guys, welcome. James, let's start with you. Uh, There's been a fair amount of frustration in uh, currency markets about the inability of uh, the euro in particular to follow through lower despite disappointing data this week. Uh, We got the PMIs that came in below expectations.
1: Uh, How do you explain this? Thanks, Arendam. Yeah, sure. So euro dollar obviously has been quite sticky around uh, the 105, 106 handle despite the the incoming data overall still still favoring downside in, in our view uh, th- there might be something to be said for for positioning uh, there's there's a range of Euro crosses that show up on on Patrick's positioning and flows publication as uh, one or two Z scores on on the short side of, of neutral uh, when it comes to positioning there's there's also been some slightly more mixed data in Europe this week so we did get that PMI making a new cycle low, but uh, the IFO was a bit better than expected. Um, And just looking at the ECB, I mean, we didn't really learn too much new from the ECB this week. And actually, it's probably the growth data flow that's uh, that's more important than the central bank right now for euro. And so we think it's too early for for the market to be looking for green shoots in in Europe, though, on, on the growth side, especially if you look at what European yields have done. Uh, that that's a tightening in financial conditions, which which has to feed through to to growth in Europe over time, and uh, euro clearly is a, is a cyclical currency, uh, but but looking at, at euro dollar relative to fair value, it's it's not doing that much wrong. So we we see fair value in a in a one hundred five to one hundred two range. So so that the pair isn't doing too much wrong on on that front from a valuation perspective over the short term. The stall in euro might be a bit more to do with the broader dollar, uh, though, again, we're we're quite skeptical there. You know, you have seen U.S. data surprises come off slightly from high levels, but we're still seeing the more important growth data beat expectations like we we saw yesterday with the very strong durable goods and and GDP numbers. Uh, But in U.S. rates, you have seen a higher share of, of the nominal move come from from break evens rather than real yields, which is a, a change from the more real yield led move over recent months. And that might suggest the market's thinking about a, a bit more of a, a patient fed. Uh, but but then you overlay that with with what Powell said last week, specifically that stronger data from here would would merit further tightening. So you'd think that that gives the dollar more ability to pay attention to to the growth data that that we got this week. But we we haven't really seen that. But overall, we still see uh, parity as being within reach for euro dollar by by the end of the year, uh, given given the relative fundamentals.
0: Got it. So a uh, bit of a breather maybe for the dollar, but certainly nothing like a change of trend. Uh, so uh, Pat, just turning to you. James mentioned a patient Fed. Uh, certainly seems like the committee has uh, embraced long end tightening as kind of a substitute for lifting short rates, at least for now. And that makes uh, next week's uh, quarterly refunding announcement a key event for the U.S. rates market and, by extension, the dollar. Let's also not forget that there is a Fed meeting that uh, markets seem to have somewhat written off. So, your expectations from both the QRA and the Fed meeting, with any uh, dollar read across, uh, if you will. Thanks, Rundum.
2: Um So, generally agree uh, with your assessment and James's assessment of the Fed next week. Uh, you know Powell's guidance from last week, um, pretty much puts November on hold, um, open-minded about the future, agree that data generally kind of continues to run strong. Um, I would note that the risk premium for another hike is off the highs uh, relative to a couple of weeks ago by maybe five to 10 basis points. Um, The GDP data was strong, but, uh, you know, printed coincidingly with a slight disappointment in the core PCE numbers and at least in the price action on the day that seemed to, uh, to ultimately win out. So maybe there's a skew there where um, you know Powell takes a little bit more of a, a hawkish tilt, emphasizes the the growth side of things, and given the again the repricing we've had in the uh, in terms of risk premium for another hike, maybe maybe you get a little little lift to the dollar there. But um, generally speaking, I think next week it, you know the FOMC is going to be relatively straightforward uh, from the dollar side. I would never say uh, the Fed is going to be a non-event. Um, but certainly, I think um, this one should be, in relative terms, uh, low drama from the FX side. But yeah, to your point about the, the refunding announcement next week, I mean, I think there is a little bit less market consensus here. Um, and so that, I think, kind of keeps it more of a live issue um, for the dollar. From what I understand from our rates, guys, I mean, they expect a similar kind of increase
1: uh, in
2: auction sizes like compared to what we had uh, back in August, Um, Their assessment continues to be that the Treasury kind of looks underfunded heading into into fiscal 24. Um, You know, that's in the context of still very wide deficits, uh, quite a decent runway left uh, on QT, uh, and then, you know, kind of other cash management considerations from the Treasury side. Um, You know, looking at what happened last time in August, I mean, at the end of the day, I don't think our rate strategists were too surprised at kind of what was printed, but I'm not sure you could necessarily say that about the broader market. Um, certainly kind of on the week, uh, you had a pretty intense steepening, um, you know, coinciding with that. Generally speaking right now, I mean, treasury, obviously treasury market has a lot of, lot of ball. You contribute that to a number of things. Um, that could be some growth, rethinking the term premium, um, and this ongoing kind of supply-demand imbalance, um, so the sum of those things obviously means the yields have gone higher. Um, it, it would it wouldn't surprise me at all if kind of that kind of continued uh, next week on the back of this. Um, and then from the dollar side, you know we've been showing lately that obviously the dollar has benefited from this kind of the repricing in Treasuries, but um, in a more tactical sense, the dollar has been showing an unusually elevated sensitivity to kind of a longer end. Um, the 10s and 30s kind of sector versus the 2s. Um, and so in that respect, um, if, the, if the QRA comes out, um, you know, meaningfully higher than kind of what market consensus is, and again, I do, my sense anecdotally is that there is a general lack of consensus here on, on what to expect. Um, wouldn't surprise me really then if you saw another kind of move higher in yields, um, a little bit more steepening. Um, and at the end of the day, I would expect such an event uh, to continue to to be dollar positive.
0: Got it. James, just coming back to you on European FX, uh, talk us through some of the notable price action this week. Uh, uh, Sweden had a bit of a washout, didn't it? And uh, the events next week that we should keep an eye out for, we have two central bank meetings from what I can see, the Bank of England and the Norges Bank. Either of those market moving in your view?
1: Yeah, so I think it's been... A really interesting week for Stocky. Um, Last Friday, we got weaker employment data in Sweden. And on the same day, we got some data from the Riksbank on on the reserves hedging program, which suggested a bit of a bit of a fading efficacy in in the program in terms of the impact on spot. And then we came in this week, and we've seen what's really been the, the first attempt from the market to squeeze some of the stocky longs that that were initiated after the reserves hedging program started in, in late September. And our sense there is that a lot of accounts and sell, stra- sell side strategists got themselves probably long and bullish stocky um, after, after the program was announced um, in late September. And so we see positioning in stocky a lot cleaner now. Um, and given the growth data, the market probably has chance to to build to rebuild some some bearish uh, views on on stocky. Um, we we do think euro stocky could probably push through through twelve, but uh, we're more bullish on on dollar stocky given uh, the strength of the U.S. data. Um, and then in terms of, of the the event risk next week, I mean we do have two central banks meetings, but I'm. I'm I'm not sure how how major they're going to be for the currencies in terms of in terms of movement um, for on both of them really. I mean, our UK economist is is calling for bank rate unchanged and uh, a six three vote for, from the Bank of England. Obviously, that the upside surprise on on the September inflation report will leave them them a bit more cautious. Uh, but on the inflation forecasts, uh, we, our economist thinks that the modal inflation forecast at the, at the policy horizon is, is going to be, you know, not changed too much, still slightly below 2%, but with a slightly smaller undershoot than than before. I think that the risks on the day are probably from, if, if there's a cl- closer vote than, than 6-3, or, or if the press conference signals a, a higher risk of a, a resumption in hikes, then that's probably something to watch out for for Sterling. But I think that the probability of the latter is, um, is, is is a lot less in our view we we, we don't see the bank of england as, as data dependent as they, as they were because they've they've initiated a pause now and so they're they're probably more likely to to stick to it that the bar is higher for them to to steer away from that path overall we're still bearish on sterling we've, we've got fair value for cable around 117 and pro- probably the most worrying factor recently for fair value has been the internal rotations that we're seeing in the uk equity market where uh, the more domestic and and real estate focused stocks have become to to more notably underperform the the overall market uh, which uh, we suspect is probably the market starting to to become a bit more pessimistic on UK growth uh, for norges bank finally um, again probably not a massive mover for the currency because there's there's broader things going on which are quite important for noki but they have had guidance for a December hike, which has been called into to question now by by the undershoot on the, the September inflation report, which, which undershot their forecast as well. So uh, the recent weakness in Noki, though, probably means that they can't be too dovish, especially given that they did tie their reaction function a lot closer to the currency over the summer. Uh, they're probably going to re- reiterate that December hike is, is still likely. And that, that might actually help Nokia on the day because we've priced out a lot of the premium for that for that meeting. But I think the broader global themes are more important for Nokia at the moment. Obviously, we've seen quite a sharp tightening in, in global financial conditions on on both the rates and equity side, which makes it harder for Nokia. So uh, we're, we're pretty neutral there at the moment. Uh, just uh, switching back to you, Orindem. So uh, speaking of central bank meetings... Uh, A much anticipated BOJ, obviously, next week. Uh, Thoughts on that and and the yen going forward from here? Sure, James.
0: So uh, in terms of expectations, uh, our economists think that uh, we'll get uh, two things out of next week. First, the forward guidance from the bank uh, on their commitment to overshoot on the monetary base will likely be jettisoned. Uh, We don't think there's much of a yen impact because this monetary base yen link has been tenuous at best. And second, uh, we will get uh, upward revisions to 2023 and 2024 CPI forecasts and kind of hard not to after the string of hot CPI prints we've gotten for the past several months, including today's kind of bumper October numbers. And that's also by and large expected by the street. I think the main point of uh, contention is around whether the YCC cap will be lifted or adjusted or abandoned altogether. The house view is that it will not be, but uh, there's a segment of the investor base that do think that – some change is possible there. And our, our own view is that the shock value of another YCC band adjustment uh, will be lowered this time around. Uh, what we saw in July will not be repeated. The market now has a playbook for how to trade the yen when you do get a YCC adjustments, which is that uh, you can get a knee-jerk, sharp dip in dollar yen on the day, but likely won't last given the U.S. Treasury yield climate that uh, we are in. And don't forget that there can also be some spillover from uh, any knee-jerk JGB yield spike on the day to USD yields as well. So broad sense is that the market will probably stand ready to buy any uh, short-lived dips in dollar yen, especially after the way the long-held 150 level gave way this week.
1: Okay, thanks. Yeah, that makes sense on on the yen. And uh, on China stimulus news this week, um, how, how material is that? Is it market moving for CMY?
0: I think it is important. It's important. uh, The actual quantum of support, 1 trillion CNY, I don't think is that large in the context of uh, their past bazooka packages, uh, but busting the 3% budget deficit cap, I think carries strong symbolic commitment from authorities to support growth. I do think we're going to get more growth upgrades for 2024, uh, since 50% of the funds will be used for projects next year. And there are some natural lags from the deployment of this year's monies themselves, uh, which will likely lift next year's growth rather than this year's. But for CNY, the problem is that uh, you have this conundrum of uh, hope of better growth next year from stimulus, but the current reality is data flow is lukewarm and the interest rate gap versus the US is still quite punitive. So where do we find ourselves on the FX? We are incrementally less bearish on CNY given the stimulus news, obviously to respect the, uh, the delta in the growth news. And we're also quite mindful of, uh, and probably even more mindful of, the strong seasonal pattern of exporter supply of dollars in late Q4. But you know, we doubt that the core dollar CNY uptrend will reset on this news alone. And for us, the marker is how enthusiastically do uh, Chinese equity prices and flows reflect any positive change in sentiment uh, before shifting any views on the FX side of things. Uh, let's leave it, leave it there for this week uh, with that we come to the end of this podcast thanks very much for listening in this communication is provided for information purposes only please refer to jp morgan research reports related to its content for more information including important disclosures 2023 jp morgan chase and company all rights reserved this episode was recorded on october 27 2023